My name is Gregory Hallows, and you're listening to Preserve Halloween Podcast. Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. On the 5th of November, 1605, a group of dissident Catholics tried to assassinate the Protestant King James I of Britain in an attempt known as the Gunpowder Plot. The plot was organized by a group of Catholics who were suffering enormous religious persecution at the time. The Protestant theocracy was torturing Catholics hideously, killing them by burning, evisceration, pressing them with weights, and hanging. These Catholics, led by Robert Cadby, with also John Wright, Thomas Winter, Thomas Percy, Guy Fawkes, Robert Keyes, Thomas Bates, Robert Winter, Christopher Wright, John Grant, Ambrose Rookwood, Sir Everard Digby, and Francis Tresham, planned a revolution. They smuggled in 36 barrels of gunpowder to do the job. Now, even though there was obviously a group of people doing this and planning this this protest, the uh, the the day and the and everything was attributed to Guy Fox himself. And every year since 1605, 415 years ago, Guy Fox Night, also known as Guy Fox Day, Bonfire Night, and Fireworks Night is observed, but it's primarily observed in the United Kingdom. And and recently, uh, the Americanized celebration of Halloween is becoming more and more popular there. So on October 31st, that, uh, that celebration is kind of taken over, and it's coming at the expense of mo- this mostly English uh, holiday, uh, Guy Fawkes Day. So while the holiday in his name may be declining in popularity... Guy Fox himself has very recently enjoyed a comeback as a symbol for a protest in the 21st century. One example of this is, of course, the 2006 movie V for Vendetta, which is uh, about the anarchist V who wears a Guy Fox mask and he is trying to overthrow a fascist British government in a dystopian future. It's uh, also another... Um, Example of how Guy Fawkes is uh, basically has become the unofficial symbol, or he did become the unofficial symbol of the Occupy movement. Uh, his face, exactly, mostly. Um, the Halloween costume, the mask of Guy Fawkes, was something that a lot of the um, people in the Occupy movement would wear. And Guy Fox is the literal face of the hacker group Anonymous. They use his face, well, uh, a representation of the mask he wears on a guy wearing a suit, and that is what most of us associate with the group Anonymous. And also, whenever they do videos, the person in the video, if if anyone is shown, that person is wearing a Guy Fox mask. The good thing is Halloween doesn't have any of this political baggage associated with it. Um, even though Halloween has become increasingly popular in Britain because of the, uh, well, at least the American version of Halloween, um, what we have 
turned it into the trick-or-treating and the costumes and things like that. The Halloween itself in the United States has continued to evolve over the years, and that's in part due to our changing society, I guess. Now, during Halloween, you also see uh, other traditions and festivals are celebrated around the same time. Most notably, uh, Day of the Dead, the Mexican holiday celebrated October 31st through November 2nd, and we've talked about that on the podcast briefly, but also um, there was a good write-up, or a brief write-up was done on our Facebook page about uh, Day of the Dead. So let's start off with a little bit of a history lesson. So after the original events that led to Guy Fawkes Day, that day in history was celebrated by the Protestants of Britain as a triumph over popery. And the 5th of November became an occasion for anti-Catholic sermons and vandalism of Catholic homes and businesses, even though officially uh, the government claimed it was just a celebration of sparing the king. Uh, The night before Guy Fawkes Day, bonfires were lit and people who were unpopular at the time, who often was the Pope, uh, were hanged in effigy while people would drink and feast and light off fireworks. Uh, The children and the poor would go house to house, often wearing masks, and they would be pushing an effigy of Guy Fawkes himself in a wheelbarrow and begging for money or for treats, and they would cry out, Penny for the guy! Penny for the guy! When the British eventually came to North America, they brought their traditions with them, Uh, The Puritans of New England, who themselves refused uh, to celebrate any holiday which would be associated with pagan beliefs, so that uh, knocked out Christmas and Easter. Well, they kept the uh, Guy Fawkes Day observances, and um, basically, uh, I think some, some things I've read said they did so just as a reminder of their superiority over Catholics. Um... Guy Fawkes continued to be celebrated until the American Revolution. And soon after uh, that, the Irish started coming to America during the potato famine. And they brought their beliefs and rituals with them. And uh, the Irish, who were largely Catholic, continued to observe All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Day, All Souls' Day, and they brought along the practice of souling, um, but they also mixed these uh, traditional festivals and and um, observances with folk traditions such as the jack-o'-lantern, which we uh, talked about uh, on a previous podcast. Like I said, as we learned in a previous podcast, the jack-o'-lantern is uh, often associated with the Irish folktale of Stingy Jack. Stingy Jack was the clever drunk and con man who fooled the devil himself into banning him from hell, but because of his sinful life, he uh, was not able to enter heaven, nor could he enter hell, so he wandered uh, the world carrying the lantern um, turnip that had a... uh, 
hot ember from hell inside and that that lit his way through throughout his remainder of his life some say that this legend evolved from the will-o'-wisp sightings near swamps and marshes which basically the swamp and marsh gases would glow in the night and this would be where the will-o'-wisp legends sprang from but on All Hallows' Eve, the Irish would hollow out turnips, carve them with faces, and put a candle inside, and they would go out souling on the night when, as we all know, Halloween, where the veil between life and death was considered to be the thinnest, and they used these uh, turnips as protection against the spirits, um, like Stingy Jack. So... Because America was having such an influx of immigrants and these customs were being brought from other countries into America, basically the foundation of what we now know of as Halloween here in the United States were in place. So going from house to house, asking for treats um, such as soul cakes and also carrying jack-o'-lanterns were being established by the Irish, and the British. So, shortly after their arrival in the U.S., the Irish would trade the turnip for a pumpkin because, I don't know if you've ever tried to carve a turnip, but it's not an easy thing. At this time, Guy Fawkes Day was no longer celebrated in the United States, but certain aspects of it would uh, carry on one of them being vandalism. So now vandalism would be associated with Halloween because, as we know, a lot of Halloween tradition involved uh, tricks and not so much treats. And so the, the cool thing is that on the surface, when I started looking up Guy Fawkes Day and trying to figure out how how it's even possible that it's related to Halloween all. Not only did I find out that overseas Halloween is becoming a very popular holiday to celebrate, but it's also starting to not maybe not replace Guy Fawkes Day, but they're starting to merge themselves together. I would like to, if anyone overseas has any uh proof of this or any um their own experiences about it whether or not this is true i i'm very interested to know if you know in england how how is halloween celebrated is it becoming something that is popular like it is here in the united states because you know we talk all the time and we see all the time that halloween is second only to christmas as far as money spent on a holiday i guess you know commercialization is not really a way to measure the popularity completely of a holiday, but it, it is a very uh, easily tangible um, way to, you know, just have stats. But this whole Guy Fawkes Day and the history and how all of that came to America, even though it's not, you know, we don't celebrate Guy Fawkes Day really here. I know that because of V for Vendetta, more people in the United States know what Guy Fawkes Day is, but I don't think it's something that, you know, 
is celebrated or will be celebrated. But anyway, that that whole story and that research into Guy Fawkes Day led me to a story about a town in Hiawatha, Kansas, which has a population of just below 4,000 people. So back in 1912, a woman named Elizabeth Krebs, who was the president of the Hiawatha Garden Club, proudly, she was very angry and livid when she woke up and her flower garden and her flower beds had been trampled and she was tired of her entire town being vandalized once a year by children wearing masks. So in 1913, using all her own resources, she didn't ask for anybody's help. She used all her own resources and she planned out a party for the young people so that hopefully she could gather them and tire them out enough that they wouldn't go out and and cause any destruction or you know i guess maybe selfishly she didn't want them to trample her her flower bed again which i'm assuming if she's part of a garden club that her flower bed is prize winning cuz uh you know people that are in those clubs generally are very very proud of of their uh some form of flower roses or you know who knows but she underestimated the determination of the children in the town and the town was once again in 1913 vandalized just per usual so instead of doing everything herself in 1914 she decided to get the entire town involved she brought in a band she held a costume contest and she also put on her a parade and this time the plan worked People of all ages enjoyed a uh, festive and uh, non-disruptive, which is the important part, Halloween. So news of her success traveled outside of Kansas to other towns and cities, which took on the blueprint, I guess, that she established and tried the same thing in their towns. So she, um, she did... Halloween party with costume contest, parade, music, food, dancing, sweet treats, and decorations, ghosts and goblins. So she laid down the the blueprint for what many other towns uh, established themselves to try to to stop the pranks and vandalism that children did on Halloween. And Mrs. Krebs herself is oftentimes called the mother of modern Halloween because, you know, as I said, she started doing this back in the early 1900s, which it it led me to wonder why the town of Hiawatha doesn't try to stake their claim as the Halloween capital of the world that Anoka has taken on because Anoka started in uh you know, five years later or six years later. And if um, Hiawatha pushed it, because they still do their their parade, but they don't call it a parade. Anyway, um, although Mrs. Krebs is oftentimes called the mother of modern Halloween, she can't really claim that practice because she didn't come up with the practices or any of the traditions that she used to try to to curb the children from causing destruction in her town. She just decided to do it. So 
her original vision did impact how people in America celebrated Halloween and what the town of Halloween or what the town of Hiawatha, Kansas would call this celebration is the Halloween frolic. And they still continue to observe this every year in Hiawatha. It's just called the Halloween frolic of Hiawatha, uh, Kansas. I looked it up. They have a Facebook page and uh, I'm going to reach out to them and try to get some more information for next year so that we can, you know, publicize what they do and try to get them some publicity for for their tradition that is over a hundred years old now. So in those first few years that Mrs. Krebs did this, uh, the kids dressed up in costumes, they decorated their bikes and their wagons, which basically made them the first floats uh, like we would have in a parade now. Um, she gave the kids awards and cookies for, you know, the best costumes and this tradition has been expanded upon now to include, now there's two big parades, uh, there are various costume contests with trophies and cash prizes, and they also have a Halloween Queen contest. The Kitty Parade starts in the afternoon with hundreds of kids in costumes, and they award, award prizes for the best costume, the best decorated bike, trike, and wagon, the best family float. And uh, they also have small motorized vehicles and also horses. The Grand Parade in the evening, which that includes dignitaries uh, such as the governor of Kansas, uh, political leaders. It also has the high school band. It has floats, more horses, uh, Shriners units. And there's also, you know, basically the whole town dresses up in costume and makes the parade at night. Uh, something very special for the town of Hiawatha. And not to be, you know, overlooked, this is the oldest celebration of his type in the nation that I found. Like, this one beats Anoka's celebration. Um, I do want to do some research, as always, and see if I can find some newspaper clippings that, that show an exact date of when they started, at least some kind of hard copy proof that uh, shows the the time frame that they started so far all i've been able to find of mrs krebs is one picture and i've seen it on multiple websites but it's the same picture mrs krebs herself handed out prizes to children uh, in the early years and she died in 1931 but the uh grand marshal of the daytime parade and the evening parade are both uh, led around town in a truck that has flowers and a sign that say, in memory of Mrs. Krebs, the parade founder. So Mrs. Krebs still gets credit to this day for founding the parade. And since that initial celebration in 1914, Halloween has been wonderful for the kids in Hiawatha. And the part that I found that was very, like, I thought it was great uh, all the students in town are dismissed from their public schools if Halloween falls on a weekday um, because the town itself does not want to interfere with the kids being able to participate in this Halloween parade. So for over a century, Mrs. Krebs' clever and wholesome idea to take trickery and destruction out of what we would consider the, the fun of Halloween um, has worked. She um, she had a plan. She wanted to stop vandalism and, and destruction in her town. And she wanted the kids to have something fun to do. And she implemented that. And 
a hundred years later, it's still happening. It's still going on. So congratulations, uh, Mrs. Krebs, for being uh, having the foresight to to do this and to follow through. And now she's made a tradition in a town that, you know, I don't know how many people even know about her, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring her up on the podcast itself was to kind of give her, you know, put her name out there so other people will look it up. But now that I've found this Hiawatha uh, Halloween frolic, it made me wonder what does Anoka think about it? Um, I know that it's not one of those things that generally gets brought up as far as a competition, but, you know, according to, you know, what I found initially, Hiawatha, Kansas is the oldest uh, running Halloween parade in the United States. So, you know, you never know what you find when you, you research things. You you might overturn something that has always been established. It's kind of like science, you know. You keep going out there to prove things, and you never know what you're going to find. So I'm excited to uh, read more about Mrs. Krebs and see if I can uh, turn up some more information about her. And it's one of those things, when when you do this, you never know what's going to happen. So... Uh, Thank you guys for listening, and preserve Halloween. I was born in Kansas, I was bred in Kansas, and when I get married I'll be wed in Kansas. There's a true blue gal who promised she would wait. She's a sunflower from the sunflower stage. She's a sunflower. She's my sunflower, and I know we'll never part. She's a sunflower. She's my one flower. She's the flower of my heart. Skies are fair in Kansas. Clouds are rare in Kansas. Never saw a place that could come pair with Kansas. So I'm going home to keep a wedding date. With the sun, sunflower from the sunflower state. She's a sunflower, she's my sunflower, and I know we'll never part. She's a sunflower, she's my one flower, she's the flower of my heart. Troubles. And in Kansas, folks, on Bend in Kansas, every one you meet will be your friend in Kansas, and they'll all be there to help me celebrate with my son, sunflower from the sunflower stage. She's a sunflower. She's my sunflower, and I know we'll never part. She's a sunflower. She's my one flower. She's the flower of my heart. Oh, the moon is brighter and the 
stars are bluer and the girls are sweeter and their hearts are truer and I'm here to state there's one who's really great she's the sun flower from the sunflower state she's the sunflower she's my sunflower and I know we'll never part she's a sunflower she's my one flower she's the flower 